Hello, my friends. I am back for another solo episode today, and today I am covering a variety of different topics. I really went on a few different tangents, but I tried to bring it all back together at the end, and I do believe that they are all cohesive in some way. But I'm starting off by talking about how I got started in working with psilocybin mushrooms for the first time, what that journey looked like, and really like the insights that I received from my first few experiences, especially my first like ego death experience where I came face to face with all of my body image, body shaming issues that I had struggled with in the past and, and really alchemized that and what sort of insights I've accumulated since then um, in relation to that and how it was all kind of related to a deeper problem of self-worth. And yeah, I'm really excited to share this episode and hopefully you will get something out of it. If you do, please share it with a friend, share it on your story. You can tag me at Ugly Growth, leave a review on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts or wherever the heck you're listening. (laughs) I'd very much appreciate it. Thank you so much for being here and let's get into it. All right, so I'm starting off today's episode getting into the story of how I started working with psilocybin mushrooms, aka magic mushrooms, because that is a question that I get asked about all the time, which I can understand because I think for a long time it was like kind of taboo to talk about. And I mean, in some areas, depending where you are, it still is. I mean, it's still in this like legal gray area. I'm not really sure what's going on in Canada. Like, Here in Vancouver, you can go to multiple different dispensaries and buy mushrooms just normally, like the same way you would for cannabis. But I don't think that's the case in other cities in Canada, and like it's still technically not federally legal. But there are tons of new studies coming out saying how helpful it is, how beneficial it is for things like depression and mood support, even things like migraines and period cramps. Like, it seems like there's nothing that mushrooms can't do, honestly. And if you watch the documentary Fantastic Fungi, (laughs) you'll see what I mean. Like, mushrooms can be used to clean up oil spills and stuff like that. And yeah, definitely a really good documentary. I'd highly recommend watching that. So for me, I kind of previously mentioned that when I first started on this journey, I was very, very disconnected from my emotions, and that is what I needed the most help and support with tapping into. And I had the understanding that if you don't express your emotions, that is what gets lodged in the body energetically and creates these blockages, and that is what leads to stress and disease and illness later on in life, and I really didn't want that. That's what I was trying to avoid. So I thought that by working with my emotions and focusing on my emotional release, I would be able to avoid that outcome. So that was my main focus going into this work, and I started off with ayahuasca, but that wasn't really giving me what I needed in that sense. Like with ayahuasca, it always felt like very metaphorical and kind of like difficult to understand. At least those first few journeys, I really wasn't like feeling like I was releasing a lot or I just wasn't, I wasn't even aware of what I was releasing. Not that you always have to know exactly what's going on, but it just wasn't giving me what I needed. 
and then I happened to be traveling through Peru. This was probably like December 2019 and I was traveling through Peru by myself and I was talking to this guy that was staying in my hostel and keep in mind like lots of people go to Peru to do ayahuasca. <laughs> There's a lot of ayahuasca tourism there. It's kind of like the mecca of ayahuasca. But that was not why I was there. I was actually there to do the five-day Inca Trail trek, and I hiked to Machu Picchu, and it was incredible. But anyway, I was talking to someone at my hostel about ayahuasca in Peru. Very, very typical. And I was kind of telling him about my experience so far, and that I, yeah, I was trying to connect with my emotions, and he actually shared with me that for that, for what I needed, it would actually probably be more beneficial to work with mushrooms with psilocybin mushrooms. And when he said that, I was so surprised because at that point, I was under the impression that mushrooms were just like a party drug. And I had actually had like a really terrible experience on mushrooms uh, in my early 20s at a cabin party. Like, I really had no idea what I was getting myself into with mushrooms. Like, I did a lot of, you know, MDMA and whatever else <laughs> okay no just mdma and like smoked weed and stuff like that and so i thought that i was you know this very experienced drug user and i thought oh yeah it's probably just gonna be similar to mdma and like i'll be t i'll be fine so this guy at the party gave me a dose of mushrooms i have no idea how much and i'd already been drinking like quite a bit of alcohol i think i was i think i was celebrating my birthday that night actually but I was at a cabin in the woods and I really only knew the host, my friend who was the host, and she was all over the place. So I was kind of like on my own. And then I remember I went down to the beach, like to the water, and I was like staring at the fire and it was, it was very calm. And then all of a sudden I saw like all of my friends and family hiding in the bushes and they were all staring at me and like kind of like put their finger in front of the mouth like to make the shh and it was so creepy like they weren't actually there but that was the like the visual that I was seeing that I was hallucinating um, and seeing all of my friends and family in the bushes and then one by one they started coming out and putting wood onto the fire and I mean in reality it was just I don't know some random guy that was putting wood onto the fire but anyway so I it was just a very creepy time and from that point on I thought that the whole party had like conspired against me and that it was a game and that there were like video cameras coming up out of the grass to record my every move and see like if I would win this game show and I thought that like there was some sort of mission that I had to accomplish so I was going around trying to like save these drunk girls that seemed like they were in distress <laughs> like like looking back on it they must have just been like people must have just been so annoyed with me um, and then, yeah, it was just, it was just a bad time. It was like the exacerbation of social anxiety to like the worst degree that you could ever imagine. And I could just hear everybody talking about me. 
like it was the worst like do I, I don't know if they were actually talking about me probably not it was just like the voices in my head right like I had pretty bad social anxiety when I was younger and so this just brought that to the surface and heightened my anxiety tenfold so that's always something I, I warn people now about mushrooms like if you have really severe anxiety the mushrooms might make your anxiety worse and that is exactly what happened to me the first time that I did them and it was absolutely what I would call like a bad trip but I also had no education about mushrooms and like how powerful they can be and what they can really bring to the surface and I had no idea that you really need to be careful about your mindset going into a trip as well as the setting that you're in. And so basically taking them at a party like that with such a high dose is kind of the worst thing that you can do. So that had been my only experience with mushrooms at that point. So when I'm sitting across from this guy in Peru and he's telling me that mushrooms are the key to opening up my heart emotionally, I was kind of like, I don't know about that actually. Like, I don't know if I actually want to do that. Um, I think I'm good. So I was very, very resistant to it, which is, it's funny because like with ayahuasca, which is kind of like the mother of all plant medicines, I was like, yeah, let's just, let's dive in. And then with mushrooms to do it again after that first time, I was like, I don't think so. Um, But I ended up doing some research uh, once I got back to Colombia from Peru and started reading just a few different things online and came across someone named Terrence McKenna, very like quintessential intro psychedelic. So he was, he's passed on now, but he uh, was an ethnobotanist and a very prominent psychedelic advocate. And his thing that he suggested to people was to take five grams of dried mushrooms in a silent dark room. That was his sort of like prescription for working with mushrooms, which I had no, I didn't really know like what was a large dose, like what would be considered the right dose. So this was something considered a hero's dose is taking five grams. And I thought that that sounded pretty good. I mean, why not, right? Why not go for the hero's dose? (laughs) So I ended up buying some mushrooms I bought a bag of five grams and I took them out with me to this cabin that I was staying at with my friend I should have known like why am I taking it out of cabin again did I not learn my lesson but this time it was just with like one girlfriend and it was not a party and we were very safe and she wasn't taking mushrooms so I ended up taking the mushrooms and literally just cried (laughs) like cried and cried and cried for probably three hours straight I just was like staring at the fire and crying and it was like kind of awkward because I think my friend was expecting me to like be tripping balls and stuff like that and then she wasn't really sure what to do with all of my emotions that were coming up and Um, yeah, it was just like a bit of a weird time, but it felt like it kind of like broke through that sort of crystallized energy that had hardened over my heart and it was all just pouring through and it was, yeah, it was very, very emotional. So I wasn't even having any 
hallucinations or visualizations or anything like that. I just cried and cried and cried. And I mean, now looking back on it, I, I would not recommend that any beginner just like starts with five grams of mushrooms and takes them uh, with no real preparation. <laughs> but I think there's way more resources available now. Like now I would never recommend that to someone. But at the time, like this was still pretty new to me. Like, I mean, it was brand new to me and I couldn't really find much on the internet about it. So I'm just being honest, that is what I did. I took five grams, but I would not recommend starting with that. <laughs> Absolutely not. Start low, go slow. Do not follow what I did. I was like reluctant to even share that, but I might as well just be honest about what I did. So yeah, that first time I, yeah, as I said, I just let my emotions kind of let loose, which I'm so grateful for because everything that I had learned up until that point was basically like, you know, emotions are, are energy in motion and when they get stuck, when there's a lack of flow in the system, that is what creates dis-ease in the body. So I finally felt like I kind of had that life force running through me again, or at least I'd started to tap into it, you know, like the, the foot had been pressed down firmly on the hose and it was constricting the flow. And that's like, I took some pressure off and suddenly it was able to run through again. So that was kind of like the intro. <laughs> and I ended up taking mushrooms again, probably like two weeks later. This time I took them just by myself in my apartment. And this was, how do I even say this or where do I even begin? Because it was such a, such a powerful evening. I basically had the sort of like quintessential ego death experience that people speak of. And what is the ego? I mean, the ego is who we believe ourselves to be. It's like the identity and how we kind of relate to the world and how we carry ourselves in the world and what we've attached ourselves to. And it's basically how we measure ourselves up in comparison with others. And for me, I realized that that had been very much wrapped up in my physical appearance, especially in the shape of my body. And I wasn't even aware of how much this consumed me. And I thought it was like a normal thing to just think about it all the time. Um, and I actually, I went into this mushroom journey with the intention to let go of whatever was no longer serving me. And I just kind of like allowed the mushrooms to guide me to whatever really needed clearing. And what they showed me was, was essentially that, that I am more than my body. And I know that sounds like some cheesy caption on some sort of body positive Instagram page or something like that. And it's easy to say like, well, of course you're more than your body. But this was my first time like truly understanding that on a physical deep level and like knowing it in myself, not just like being able to conceptualize that in my head, but like knowing it in my body that like I am so much more than that. And it's like somewhere along the way, I had completely anchored my sense of self-worth into my physical appearance. 
And I mean, sure, some of that starts when you're a kid, like seeing my mom complain about her body growing up. And then, you know, there's constantly being bombarded with the magazines and the stores, whatever the latest crash diet is in these women's health magazines. And then when I was in elementary school, like at that point in time, like in the 90s, the the sort of like ideal body image look was the sort of like Coke skinny look. Um, like size double zero and I've always had a bit more curves and I'm also really tall and I shot up to five nine when I was like still in elementary school and was taller than all the boys and I just always kind of found myself wishing that I was smaller and I was always willing to try any of the new diets that came up whether it was the cayenne lemon water or the cabbage soup diet or all of those like sorts of fit teas that were really just laxative teas and even taking just like a handful of normal laxatives after binging food and feeling guilty about it. So I had a really terrible relationship both with food and with my body and when I was in university I was like really not athletic and ended up kind of finding my way to this fitness boot camp for the first time (laughs) very surprisingly and I couldn't I could barely do like a single burpee the first time that I went but I kept going back and yeah I had never played sports or even kept up with any sort of regular exercise so this is my first time experiencing those lovely feelings called endorphins and I was like is this the cure to my depression (laughs) And I was hooked. And over the next couple of years, I really built this like community around this new fit version of myself. And I was like building my confidence for the first time. And I had like built this close circle of friends. And I thought I'd found my true calling. And I was like doing the fitness Instagram thing. And I was actually working on becoming a personal trainer. And I was going to help other women feel great about themselves through working out and feeling good about their bodies, but I was completely oblivious to how surface level it all was, and as soon as i take a few days off from the gym, I would spiral into a really dark mental health place, and so I kind of developed this, like, exercise addiction, and I would work out for, like, 14 days in a row straight without taking a rest day, which is not good for you, and I got really really caught up in tracking my food incessantly and like not letting myself eat bread or rice or potatoes like it was a protein only diet and it was just kind of ridiculous and I mean I have all the the love and compassion for that previous version of myself she was just so so desperate to be loved and I I mean I don't even like the word desperate but she just she just wanted to be loved and After so much conditioning, she was under the impression that the only way to be loved was to look a certain way. And I mean, that's because after I lost this weight and like was starting to post before and after photos and stuff like that, it was like my first time really getting this like huge influx of external validation, whether it was like people congratulating me on on social media or like men that I had dated in the past were like crawling out of the woodworks to tell me how good I looked and stuff and it was like the the clear 
sign was like, okay, yeah, you look amazing now. And suddenly, you know, the likes on my photos went up and I, I used to get 50 likes on a photo and now I was getting 250 likes on a photo and people were constantly pumping my tires about this huge accomplishment of just like changing my body composition and after years of like failed yo-yo dieting and lots of self-hate I finally felt like hey I'm worthy I'm worthy of admiration now in this new body and I was even receiving dms from people that I didn't even really know and they were telling me how inspiring I was just because I had changed the shape of my body, but the fact is that I was still incredibly insecure and my anxiety was at an all-time high. And I still thought that I was too big to be taken seriously as a personal trainer in the fitness industry. And my own discomfort with my body never actually really went away or improved. And I never developed true inherent self-worth because I was so tied to this sense of self-worth that I found externally in the comment section and from people around me. So any self-worth that I had was attached to the way my body looked and the opinions of others and this like game of comparison that I found myself in. And of course, that's not real self-worth. That's not real self-love because it was completely conditional on what other people were saying about me like the amount that I loved myself on a given day would be dependent on whether I made it to the gym that day whether I got my workout in whether I kept my calories low that's when I would feel good about myself and if I didn't meet those criteria I felt like absolute shit so I mean if loving yourself is dependent on some meeting some circumstance like that's not true self-love and don't get me wrong, like working out is amazing and endorphins are amazing, but if that's the only piece that's holding your mental health together, like that is not sustainable. And I learned that the hard way. And I like I've been there and I, I really thought that I had cracked the code to my happiness and my mental health by reaching this level of fitness. And then when life changed and, you know, a relationship fell apart, I fell off of my gym routine and with that I stopped loving myself and that means that I never actually loved myself in the first place. My ego had just been in the driver's seat the whole time and I had to rebuild from the ground up and now I'm in this place where it's like I can take two months off the gym and yeah I'll miss it because I genuinely enjoy working out but I don't feel any of the guilt or shame anymore. Like, I don't make myself a bad person. I know that my worth is not dependent on whether or not I hit the gym. On It's not dependent on what I'm eating. I am just inherently worthy in who I am. And, like, life happens, as we've seen. Quarantines shut down the gyms. We break bones. You know, sometimes we're traveling and or we get an illness that prevents us from exercising. Like, whatever it is, there's all of these circumstances and if exercise is the only tool that you have in your kit, that is service level <laughs> and you need to expand. You need to add other things to your toolkit in order to feel mentally well and whole on your own. And I think so much of the healing journey is really about becoming your own best parent. So think about like the quintessential mothering energy. 
Like your mother loves you no matter what you do. And that is the love that you need to give to yourself, not dependent on how productive you were that day or whether you got to the gym or not. Your mother loves you no matter what. And that is the kind of love that you need to be giving to yourself. And I don't know exactly what kind of relationship you have with your mother in particular, but when you think about like the quintessential mother and like maybe the mother that you wish you had, what is that level of love? And you can give that to yourself. And no, this doesn't mean just, well, fuck it all and just love yourself unconditionally and do whatever you want and treat yourself like shit. Like, that's not what I mean either. Like, I think being your own best parent is this beautiful balance between loving yourself unconditionally but also having that level of discipline and acting for what's in your long-term highest good and sometimes that means going to the gym on a day that you don't necessarily want to sometimes that means eating a salad on a day that you don't necessarily want to it's taking care of yourself and having that level of discipline while knowing that if you don't achieve that necessarily if you don't like meet the goals that you set out to accomplish, you will have that level of self-compassion and still continue to love yourself unconditionally because your love for yourself is not based on those circumstances. And I would argue for the majority of us that it's not actually about what your body looks like or whatever thing that you judge yourself for. Maybe it's procrastination or yeah, not being productive or whatever it is that you judge yourself for. I would assert that it's not actually about that thing and it's more related to this deeply rooted sense of inadequacy that we carry deep down in the dark depths of our psyche and thinking that there's just something wrong with us and that we're not quite good enough and we project that onto our body because it's a very easy thing to do given how much media and everything puts focus on the physical form as being kind of the thing to to care about right like it's an easy thing to put the onus on and kind of like externalize the problem and then it becomes like oh okay if i could just lose 10 pounds then i'll feel good about myself and then i can love myself and maybe then i'll finally feel okay maybe then i won't feel this deep sense of inadequacy within me and it's the same thing for people who try to fight that sense of inadequacy with a really extensive to-do list or an extensive morning routine and they don't feel good about themselves unless they do it and the problem with that is that you're operating from a place of lack when you do that because you're saying that i am not enough when i start the day i'm not enough as i am and i have to do this thing in order to be enough i have to complete this to-do list i have to complete this workout whatever the thing is you're going from nothing to something and when you're operating from a place of lack it's going to feel really hard to actually get out of that but when you operate from a place of knowing that you're always going from more to more and you are already okay and everything else on top of that is just a bonus it's going to feel a lot easier so getting back to this mushroom journey which i was trying to talk about and now i'm on a tangent about self-worth and body image and all of that um, but basically what I realized during this mushroom journey is that I had very much been operating from a place of lack. I'd been operating from a place of I'm not enough as I am because of the shape of my body. And, you know, I'm never going to be loved if I'm not skinny. I'm never going to belong if I'm not skinny. And I felt that really deeply, like really, really deeply ingrained. And this mushroom journey was the first time that that veil really lifted and I was able to experience the freedom in my mind of not having that constraint. And I realized that 
I've been so concerned about the way my stomach looks that I didn't even have time to think about whether or not I actually like myself as a human beyond that and what I might actually desire to accomplish in this world. Like what mission or drive do I have? What service can I offer the world? Like how can I best be of service to the greater whole? And once that veil had been lifted, once I was able to see how rooted in ego I was, it was like I had this profound freedom now and like so much open space in my mind to, yeah, really think about, okay, what's actually my purpose here? Because my purpose has got to go beyond just like periodically standing in front of the mirror and lifting up my shirt to check if my stomach looks different than it did five minutes ago, right? (laughs) And I mean, it's very human of us, like we all have this deep desire to be loved and desire to be accepted and to not be excluded from the tribe, like that goes deep in our biology and that's totally okay. And we have, you know, the belief that in order to be loved and accepted, we need to look a certain way. Like I know for a long time, I believed that I would not be able to find a romantic partner unless I was... A small size like unless I was in a small body I would never have the sort of like cute romantic love that I desired and like I really had to take a moment to think about that and think about okay well what about the people in my life and the reasons that I love them and enjoy their company like does it have to do with the shape of their body or because they're actually a good person and what am I actually valuing in other people and and like in my romantic partners? Like who am I seeking out as people that I want to go on dates with? Like, am I actually saying that I want a deep relationship and then choosing my partners based on nothing more than their physical appearance? Like what are my actual conditions here? And so I kind of had to, yeah, really take a hard look in the mirror and I kind of realized that I had been really shallow honestly. And then I was complaining that the men that I was seeing were like very emotionally unavailable and service level. And I realized, oh, wait a minute. I am actually the one who's emotionally unavailable. And I am the one who has been extremely service level because what we are is what we attract. That's pretty basic. But once you actually get that, it's so profound. So because I was putting all of my value on my body and my physical appearance and being very shallow and just kind of like rooted in ego, that is the kind of partner that I was attracting. And that's why none of my relationships were working out. And like, it's always very easy to put the blame on the other person, but there is always something within us that is attracting that circumstance. And this is not to put the blame on you at all for what you've been attracting into your life because it's completely unconscious. But just know that there are mechanisms at play that are what keep drawing in the same circumstances. So if you found yourself like I was, constantly attracting the same type of partner over and over and that's not actually the kind of relationship that you desire, it's time to take a look in the mirror and actually do some deep shadow work and really start to work with your subconscious programming and and your beliefs and stuff like that and that's really the work that i'm doing now with my clients and i'm happy to report that i am no longer attracting emotionally unavailable men into my life because 
I have worked on my own emotional availability and really done some deep inner healing work. And I've been going on some really incredible dates and meeting some incredible potential partners. So it's all truly an inside job. And that is why it's so important to get to the actual root cause in the subconscious and tackle these inner stories of inadequacy and not enoughness and, you know, believing that your emotions aren't okay to express and all of these sorts of stories that are so deeply ingrained. This is the starting point for really being able to attract what you want in your life and to step into your your self-worth and really develop love for yourself like it's not about your physical form it's not about just losing another 10 pounds it's about really getting to the root of what is in the way of you seeing the beautiful divine being that you already are and once you're in that place once you can see yourself for the actual divine amazing infinite potential of a human that you are naturally you will want to treat your body in a better way naturally you will want to treat your body with exercise and sunlight and healthy foods it's all connected so when you actually start at the root cause and work with the subconscious that's when you can really make these transformations from a place of love for yourself and it's way more sustainable and you're not coming from a place of shame and guilt which is really just like a form of self-harm. And just to kind of wrap up this thought, I'd like to make it clear that I don't think having goals is bad. Like, I don't think it's wrong to want to change your body composition. I don't think it's wrong to want to accomplish and like, yeah, tackle things on your to-do list. Obviously, those are things that I do, but I think it's really important to ask yourself the question, like, are you pursuing based on a feeling of lack? Is it based on a feeling of not being good enough as you are? Or is it on the pure basis of the joy of exploration and trying something new and seeing what that might be like? Not as a way of solving your not enoughness, but based on the pure joy of exploring a new avenue of your humanness. I think that is such an important question to ask yourself. So I know I've gotten on like quite a riff about body image and self-love and all that. Going back to that mushroom journey, What really happened is that I had to grieve all of the years that I had spent wasted, essentially, being so consumed just by what my body looked like and how I looked physically. So I cried, I grieved, all of the years spent lost to that, all of the joy that I missed out on, all of the times that I maybe didn't wear what I wanted or didn't dance on the dance floor due to insecurities about my body and and things like that and just life that I didn't participate in because of my body. And after I moved through that grief, I realized that I had like transcended that and I felt such immense joy. And a quote that I absolutely love is that joy is a natural, effortless byproduct of transcending something that which previously held you back. And that was absolutely how it felt. It's like I had transcended something that had been holding me back for as long as I could remember. And it's like it wasn't something that I was aware of that had been taking up so much of my energy. Like it was such an energy leak. And really that was like the birth point of when I realized that I wanted to be able to be of service to help other people in their healing journey like I I I felt like wow okay like these mushrooms have helped me so much 
why don't more people know about them? Like I should start a blog. And that's when I started my first blog, um, uglygrowth.com and started publishing about my mushroom experiences and about my ayahuasca experiences, which have now, yeah, turned into this podcast and have turned into my business now where I'm actually helping people on their healing journeys and guiding people one-on-one and soon to be launching a few different group programs. So mushrooms are really like the original catalyst for me to really get beyond my ego and see like how I could be of greater service to the whole and what I desired to help people with and it was to yeah help people as well like to get beyond their own mind and to really get out of their head and get out of these sort of like shallow superficial ways of thinking and really expand their consciousness and become more of who they are meant to be who their soul is here to be instead of just these like programmed ways of thinking that are leaving people feeling so empty like for myself I just felt so empty for so many years and I felt like you know, the work I was doing was completely meaningless and nothing really mattered. Now I feel incredibly fulfilled and it's not even just because of what I'm doing in my work, but also just because of knowing who I am at my core. I truly think that to know yourself deeply is the key to finding fulfillment and to actually just be constantly in a state of evolution, to constantly be growing and challenging yourself and leaning into resistance that is how you find purpose and fulfillment like I would have never found my purpose in this work if I hadn't lost my mom like if something really challenging hadn't happened and if I had never leaned into the resistance that have that came with that like if I had just continued on the path of numbing myself I would not be in the position I am today where I'm yeah, I'm healthy and I'm on this podcast and I'm sharing with people and I'm helping people transform their lives. So I am incredibly grateful for the role that mushrooms have played for the relationship that I do have with mushrooms still today, even though my focus has changed a little bit now. Because when I first shifted from just writing my blog to actually realizing that I wanted to work with people one-on-one and help facilitate these sort of transformative shifts and healing experiences, I was very much focused on psychedelic therapy for trauma. And I did my training with Gabor Mate specifically for trauma. And I'm so grateful to have that background because I do think everything comes back to that. But what I've kind of realized over the course of my journey is that that's not necessarily the demographic and the work that I actually desire to be doing which I've only realized through trial and error. So essentially, I did my training with Gabor Mate, and then I I started applying for the psychedelic therapy trainings. The first one that I applied to, I was really, really excited about. I actually was told on the interview call that I had been accepted to the program. I told all my friends and family about it. I was super excited and then I never heard anything for a few days so I reached out to the admissions email and I was kind of like hey you know I was told on this call that I was accepted to this program and I'm just wondering about next steps for payment and stuff like that and she was like oh you know I'm not sure what happened or or why you would have been told that but like we're not making our decisions for another four months or something like that like it was a long wait and I was like okay Okay, like I I had definitely been told that by this interview person. 
So it just kind of put a really bad taste in my mouth. And then I just kind of was like, well, maybe this isn't the right fit. So I started looking for other programs and I found one that was going to be located in Vancouver, Canada. And it was like a somatic based psychedelic therapy training, which sounded right up my alley because the the Gabor Mate training was also a somatic focused trauma training. So I was like, you know what, that sounds good. And it was also like a quarter of the price. So I applied for that one, got accepted. And then it turns out the first one, they finally did get back to me and they told me that I hadn't been accepted after all of that. Um, So that was, yeah, just kind of a weird situation. But anyway, so I had this backup plan. I was going to come to Vancouver. I had been living in Colombia for the last two and a half years and decided it was going to be worth it to come back to Canada to do this training and then figure it figure it out from there because I really wanted to be a psychedelic therapist. So I moved back to Canada, I moved to Vancouver where I don't really know a lot of people and settled in and I think it was like my first or second week after moving to the city that I received an email saying that they had cancelled the program due to the pandemic which was pretty catastrophic for me, I'm not gonna lie. Like I had really, really put all of my eggs in that basket, so to speak. And that had been my only reason for coming to Vancouver. And Vancouver is like one of the most expensive cities in Canada. It's not cheap to live here. And now suddenly I was here, I had moved all of my stuff here and I just had no more reason to be here. And I kind of fell pretty deep into that like victim mindset of like, you know, how could this be happening to me? I've, I've uprooted my life and moved here and then it fell through. And, you know, like, how could this happen? Why is this happening? It was it was not a good time. And, you know, I stayed in bed for a while, honestly. And and you know what? That's just what I needed at that time. I needed to allow myself to grieve that and be sad about that and let myself stay in bed. And then I did get to a point again, you know, we all get to that choice point of like, okay, yeah, this bad thing happened. Um, Of course, like I get to feel the full extent of that feeling that comes up, that sadness, that anger, that frustration. And once I moved through that, it's like, okay, am I going to let, am I going to let this take me down and stay in this trap of despair? And you know, the why me, why now, why is the universe punishing me, all of that stuff? Or am I going to kind of like, pick myself up here and get my shit together and say, you know, this feels awful and challenging and it's not what I would have preferred to happen. And I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen now, but I trust that somehow this is happening for my highest spiritual growth and evolution in ways that I can't see right now, in ways that don't make sense, but I just have to have faith and trust and surrender. So that process took me a while and you know i did i applied for one more psychedelic therapy training uh it was like a master's program it was like a four-year thing and i felt like i really crushed the interview like i thought it went really well and i did not end up getting accepted and so i was like wow okay you know what this is the third time this has happened and you know i think this just means that i'm maybe not meant to get some sort of training and so I was like, you know what, I've, I've done all these other courses on psychedelic therapy and I've had so much personal experience, or I shouldn't say courses on psychedelic therapy, but I did um, quite a bit of training with an ayahuasca, a shaman named Kat Courtney, 
um, her program called Plant Medicine Mystery School. And I really felt like I had a lot of tools already. So I was like, you know what? Maybe the Western school system is not the path for me. It doesn't mean that I can't still hold space for people with mushrooms. So I decided to start doing that anyway. And I was holding space for people in my home with mushrooms and, you know, giving them a a guided experience. And so I've done like a handful of these now, and now I can actually see that I've tried it. I am actually not meant to be just a psychedelic therapist. And even though I was so upset about these programs not working out, it was actually just like the universe showing me all along that it, it wasn't what I, it wasn't in my highest good. And I don't actually like enjoy the work nearly as much as I thought I would. And I don't even want to say enjoy, but it just is so much energy to hold space in that capacity. Like a mushroom journey is an all day event. Like people are here for eight hours and I'm devoted to them for that whole eight hour time period. And there's just absolutely no chance in hell that I could do that (laughs) more than once a week. And that's not exactly like a sustainable business model. Like that's not something that I could see myself doing. And I think I would have gotten burnt out very, very easily. And I am amazed by people that can do that every day, honestly. And, you know, I just realized like that's not what feels good to me. Like it feels like too much of my energy um, leaking essentially. And, you know, it's not to say that psychedelics no longer matter to me or that they're no longer going to be a part of my journey like that's that's not true like I'm still going to share about my experiences and you know maybe I'll still create offerings in the future that are about microdosing or you know teaching people how to work with mushrooms on their own or I like I would love to host retreats in the near future as well that do incorporate mushrooms but not as like the main focus, not as, you know, mushrooms to help with your trauma. Like I really want to be focusing on people who are on a growth journey already and they're in a good place. They're stable, like they're in a healthy, stable place and they're just looking to get to know themselves on a deeper level. So like incorporating plant medicine, but not as the main focus. And yeah, I think that people with this sort of like big T trauma should be first working with a therapist, you know, one that specializes in internal family systems therapy and and somatic experiencing would be my recommendation to do some processing before they, you know, venture into psychedelic medicine or into working with a coach. And really what I, what I do is coaching. Like the position that I'm in is not so much just about the the deep trauma processing, but where my magic is, is helping people transform that pain into their purpose and into their power and really like alchemizing that pain and realizing that it's, you know, even though my my whole brand is called Ugly Growth, is like realizing that it's not actually ugly and when we get to hold it together in that space and and see that see that it's not actually that scary once you lean into it the shame is able to release and then we can use that as fuel for the process of creation so that's really the space that i'm in now is i i'm wanting to work with creatives and 
that that is what I'm doing now. I mean, I'm working with creatives and and actually coaches and other people who desire to be of service so that they can, you know, get out of their own way and really step into their power and become the version of of that their selves that they know they're here to be. And that's what feels really good to me right now and that's what lights me up and you know, one of the coaches that I'm working with right now, she's showing up in her business in a completely new way because she's no longer stuck in this frequency of believing that she isn't enough. So similar to what we were talking about earlier, like this story of not enoughness manifests in so many different ways. And it's one of the things that we come up against as creatives, as entrepreneurs, and it's something that we need to work through in order to actually make a go out of out of our projects and out of our goals so most people that come to work with me have already got a good baseline of of self-awareness you know they've likely already tried some form of counseling or therapy and like there's always more to learn like just with myself last week I uncovered another massive block within myself which I found through getting curious about myself, getting curious about the reaction of my inner critic and doing a process of self-inquiry, the same kind of process that I use with my clients to tap into their subconscious programming. And I came to the realization that I had essentially been living in a constraint, in a worldview that said that what I do makes no difference, that my actions make no difference, on matter and as soon as I landed on that truth and felt the resonance of that in my body it was like my stomach dropped and I was immediately overcome with this really deep sadness and was flooded with these memories from childhood of like when this worldview was imprinted in my blueprint and I just saw all the examples really of how this has shown up and played out in my life, like this this belief. It's so much deeper than a belief. I don't even like saying the word belief because it's literally the paradigm that I've been existing in. It's so much more than a belief. And I just saw all the examples of how it's shown up and played out in my life. And I cried and cried and cried. And this is without any psychedelics. This was without mushrooms. This is just in intentional inquiry. And yeah, I, I really felt these, again, these waves of grief for the years that I had spent living in a world where I believed that like what I do doesn't matter, that what I do makes no difference. And yeah, I just reflected on how that's been reflected in my business and in my finances and even in like what I eat. And like, I, I really got into my blind spot and that's because like up until last week, I had no idea that I felt that way about myself. Like I had, I didn't have a clue that I was living in a world where I believed that I didn't make a difference. And, you know, that's also what my clients are uncovering. Like these, these major blind spots that have been holding them back. Like just last week, one of my clients came to an incredibly difficult realization that she hasn't actually liked herself for a long time and it's not something that she was consciously aware of and and then we, we have to go through yeah all the ways that we've learned to compensate for not liking ourselves for for not believing that we make a difference 
And like usually we compensate by, you know, trying really hard to be liked, to be nice. We don't uphold our own boundaries. We don't have boundaries. We just put everyone above us and we don't take any real risks. And these are all adaptations that we create in order to survive and to avoid the pain of living in that paradigm. So this is really what my work is focused on now, is helping people deconstruct their subconscious programming and really digging into the stories that we unknowingly tell ourselves. Because like we all have beliefs that we are aware of, right? Like if you're religious, if you are a Catholic, like you believe in God and you are aware of that. But then we also have beliefs that we are unaware of. And this is what I'm really talking about when I say the paradigms that we are existing in. It's like the worldview that we have and it's dictating the way that we show up in our life. It's like essentially the lens through which we see the world. And it, it dictates, yeah, it dictates how we show up in the world. And it's, it's all completely different based on our own past experiences and our programming, which is formed in childhood. Like I shouldn't even say childhood. It's formed from the time we are in utero, from the time that we are in our mother's pregnant belly. We are already like forming our early programming. And this is what I'm really helping people tap into now. And we don't need psychedelics in order to do so. And I actually think it's a lot better to start with work like this before venturing into psychedelics and essentially work on really understanding yourself, understanding your own inner dynamics. And through that, we can essentially co-create a new operating system that is more in accordance with the person that you desire to be in the world. And it's beautiful. And like, that's what the training with Gabor Mate was really focused on as well is really what is your level of consciousness and what are the hidden assumptions that you're using to recognize um, your, your place in the world? And yeah, what are those unconscious dynamics that are running your life and how to really liberate yourself from them? So it's really, really beautiful work. And this is what's lighting me up right now. And, you know, I'm saying this knowing that I change every day and it's all good and I'm allowed to change my mind and maybe in a month from now my work will change and that's exciting and that feels expansive for me and I'm not married to one thing, but right now this is what I'm focused on and I see myself really dialing in on this, um, especially with the work I'm doing right now with Peter Crone. He is absolutely incredible. If you haven't checked out his work, I'd highly recommend listening to some of the podcasts that he's on. But at the end of the day, my work is about helping people get to the true root cause of what's holding them back. And I do that with the help of somatic and subconscious practices because I believe those are the most transformative and they have been the most transformative for me. Like, yes, psychedelics were an incredible tool and they still continue to be an incredible tool, but they're not the only thing. And... I think that truly everyone has something to gain by working with a coach on their subconscious programming, especially people who are growth-oriented, who are maybe high performers, who are creatives, and they're working on bringing their art to the world and being of service, because we can really get in our own way, and that is truly tragic when there are so many people with amazing gifts to share with the world, but they're too in their own head to actually bring that to life and to be vulnerable vulnerable enough to let it be seen and let themselves be seen so that is yeah that's essentially the work I'm doing now that's how I got started 
and that's where I'm at and it's been a journey and there's been so much in between there but that was the gist of it and yeah I'm I'm just really happy to be here I'm happy to be sharing this with you and I'm really looking forward to continuing this journey together and seeing what's next Thank you so much for listening. As always, feel free to send me a DM with any takeaways or whatever you learned from this episode. I would absolutely love to hear what's resonating with you. That way I can really take your feedback and know what sort of topics you're interested in and I can make this podcast even better and talk about more things that really matter and more things that are most beneficial and helpful for you. And if anything I shared about today in regards to really shifting your worldview and getting beyond your subconscious programming and really creating a new operating system for yourself if that sort of work is is interesting to you and you're curious more about how we could maybe work together I would absolutely love to connect with you you can also just send me a dm or you can go on my website www.uglygrowth.com and you can actually book in a complimentary call with me just like a 30 minute call I will just ask you a few questions about yourself and I will give you genuine honest reflection and feedback about whether or not I think that I can help you and you know if it's not the right fit I'd love to just send you off with some resources that I believe will be of service whether that's book recommendations or podcasts or anything like that I would just love to yeah talk to you learn more about you and really really build out this community so I'd love to hear from you either way and yeah thank you so much Have a great rest of your day.